Hi again, lifers. I'm back. This is Heather Drew, and this is the Life in the Whirlwind podcast. Today is episode 11, and this episode is called Don't Hold On to Me. Last episode 10, I talked about my friend Manny, who I lost recently, who many of us lost recently. And that got me really kind of thinking more actively about grief. It's not like I haven't already thought about grief, but this just invited me into a new way of thinking about grief. So like I said last time, I'm really set on being real in these podcasts, as real as I can be, as appropriate. And the way I've been thinking about grief, I would really like to keep talking about it. And this isn't really about grief so much. This is almost the development of my thinking after talking about grief a little bit. Grief is not over, but I want to kind of keep talking about what's coming up in my own mind as I process my grief. And I'm hoping it will be very helpful for you as well. So I've been really thinking about what causes grief. Obviously it happens. It's natural. It's very normal. It's healthy even. Uh, It shows that we, I think what it reveals to us is that we have desires and attachments and we have values and we care about things. So that's just this quick thing. But the other day I had this sort of revelation. Most of my revelations happen either in the shower or on the yoga mat, (laughs) just so happens. And there are these two quiet places where I can consider things. And, um, there's this really lovely part of a yoga practice in at least the physical practice of yoga, where, uh, at the end of the physical practice, you lay on your mat, on your back, flat on your back. And it's called Shavasana, which means corpse pose. And you lay there and literally no muscles are working and you're really just laying on your back. And the way I see it is that you're receiving from, you know, there's sort of this connection with the divine and your heart is facing up, you know, it's just this really perfect picture of openness and vulnerability. So I was laying there in Javasana a couple days ago and I had this sort of revelation. I just thought to myself, these are the three, these are the words that came to my mind. And I hadn't been thinking about grief. I hadn't been thinking about anything along these lines. It just sort of came to me. I thought, I really value connection, inspiration, and healing. I value a lot of other things, but those are the three things that came to my mind. Connection, inspiration, and healing. And I kind of started wondering if that was part of what was causing my grief, or my grief that day or this week is that I desired those things and I had felt as though I have lost them or I am going to lose them. So this led me to sort of, you know, I got in my car and immediately wrote down on a post-it note those three words. And then I wrote this sentence, grief is caused by the loss of that which we, uh, sorry, grief is caused by the loss of that which or those who manifest our values. Grief is caused by the loss of that which 
or those who manifest our values. So remember back to episode nine, I think it was, it's different ways of seeing. I'm pretty sure I didn't look it up before I started this. I really should have. I really should know my own podcast, but I don't. But I told a story about uh, Jesus and Mary, his friend Mary, not his mom, Mary, but um, this woman's name was Mary Magdalene. Maybe you've heard of her. But uh, she really, really deeply had a deep devotion to Jesus. And, uh, you know, so did a lot of people. They had a really deep devotion to him. He had a lot of people who sort of followed him, asking him to be their teacher. And in this story, which if you ever wanted to look it up, it's in a book called John in the Bible. It's a letter. It's like a story of Jesus's life. It's one of the versions of the stories of Jesus's life. Um, One of his disciples wrote it down. And this is from chapter 20 of that book. And it talks about, so I already told a little bit of the story before. Jesus has, has died He was, you know, crucified by the government and um, the Jews at the time who were spiritual leaders, who were religious people, not really so much spiritual, maybe. Oh, that's controversial. I'm going to get some backlash on that, maybe. Anyway, um, these people demanded that he be killed by the government, basically. That's the short story. So he died. He was killed on a cross. And uh, there's a lot of controversy around his resurrection as well. And maybe you by that. Maybe you don't. That's fine. Whatever. But the story takes place in this graveyard, this tomb area, you know, where Jesus has been placed and it's empty. And Mary, his friend, is there and she's looking for him and the tomb is empty. And she's weeping and she's searching for him and she's asking, where have they put him? And there's a lot of controversy around there that I cannot dive into in this story, in this podcast, but I'm, if you know it, great. All that to say, there's this sweet, sweet moment. I already mentioned it where um, she sees Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener and she says, do you know where they've put him? And he says, why are you weeping? And she says, where did they put him? And he says her name. He says, Mary. And then she realizes it's like the lights come on and she sees clearly and she realizes it's him. And then, so that's what we've already talked about, but here's this, here's this sweet slash poignant, incredible moment between the two of them. She, I imagine it doesn't really say, but this is how I imagine it. I imagine that she like runs to him and kind of like throws herself on him because she's so relieved. I mean, if you had lost the person that you cared about the most in the world, he, he had died and then he was missing from his grave. You'd be troubled. And then you see him. Of course, you're going to like run to him and throw your arms around him and act in a very demonstrative way, I would assume. Um, you kind of lose inhibition in this moment. And he says something very powerful. He just says these four words. Don't hold on to me. And he says this because he knows he's not going to be sticking around. And it's almost like this sense of, you're going to lose me again. 
She's already lost him once and she's going to lose him again. It's really poignant. It's very powerful. And in the midst of my grief, not just the loss of Manny, but the loss of other things this, you know, last year or a little less, a lot's been going on in the world, in our lives. And I've really been thinking a lot. This seems to be a season of grief, at least for me. I don't know about you. Um, not, you know, it's just, it's just deep. It's stuff to think about. And when I lose someone I love, my temptation is very much to engineer specific outcomes. So like, for example, I will find ways if somebody's leaving or moving or disappearing from my life, this is not their, their resting place. They're going to leave. And I really love them. And I really value them. My temptation is to engineer situation in which a situation in which they can stay. Because I don't want to lose them. I don't want things to change. I'm not a big fan. Right? So I, maybe you, we are desperate to hold on to that which manifests our values or those who manifest our values. We're desperate to hold on to those things and those people. Just like Mary, she totally loved Jesus. She was so devoted to him. She was so, she honored him. She loved him. And um, she was so desperate for, to hold on to him because he manifested everything that she valued. So this can get a pretty bad rap. Like when you hear (laughs) this story, I don't know where you're at, but this, there's a word that comes to mind, which is clingy. That's not the prettiest word. It's a little pejorative. It's a little hard. Like if someone called you clingy, I would guess that you would not enjoy that. Maybe needy is another way of saying this that I've heard, but clingy, let's stick with that for a little bit. So it's kind of like, um, you know, we have to, uh, we have to be honest. We have desires. So this word clingy, it's not a nice word. And so I don't really like that, the use of that word, but we are people who have desires. We have strong desires. We have strong values that we cling to. We are all clingy human beings to something. There's got to be something that you cling to on a regular basis. There's got to be something that at the thought of losing that thing, you would engineer whatever outcome is possible that you, so that you would not lose that thing. And that is a thing that manifests your values, right? It makes sense, doesn't it? It would almost be weirder. I would be a little worried if you really, really valued something and you didn't have an inclination to hold on to it. We do not like restricted access to the things that we love. So make what you would like of that, but that is the truth, I think. So here's my next question. What happens to us when we do lose those things that manifest our values? Here's the first thing that I want to say here about this. When it comes to suffering and loss, we really only see what was happening to us clearly when we look back. In the moment, 
it's a very hazy situation. It's very dark. There's a reason, you know, this whole, I I just saw an article the other day popping around Facebook or something that was called what, what really is the dark night of the soul? You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, phrase, but it's a, it's a book, a very well-known book by St. John of the Cross. But um, this is a really strong reality. We don't see things clearly when we're in the middle of suffering, when we're in the middle of losing something, we don't see clearly what's going on until way after the fact. Am I right? So new seasons are full of unknowns by definition. Change is full of unknowns by definition. And all the things, every single thing that has happened to you up until this point of your life has brought you to this place where you are in your process right now and to self to the self that you are today. And every single one of those things was unknown to you at that time. Mind blown, right? So th- all the things that have happened to you that have brought you to where you're at right now and who you are, all of them were unknown at the time that they came, that they began, that they were planted, coming back to that seed analogy from last episode. All of them are unknown. You have no idea what's going to happen. And they've all led you to exactly the person that you are today and the exact process and place at which you are today. If we see these unknowns as threats, which is really, really easy and very natural, and normal. But if we see these unknowns of life as threats, we will inevitably miss out on all of the fertility and growth and newness that that seed holds. So is it unknown? Absolutely. Does it hold something? Absolutely. A seed planted is unseen. You have no idea what's going to happen. It might do nothing. It might get eaten by a squirrel and pooped out later. (laughs) I just said poop. Who knows what's going to happen? But if you have a tree and you look outside and you see a tree, guess how that started? It started from something invisible, practically invisible, and was completely unknown what would happen. If we had seen that seed as a threat, it would never be a tree. I am really preaching to myself right now. I just want you to know. Make sure you know that. Oh, it's it's about gardening. It's so hard. This is hard thing. This is hard stuff. Okay, so that's the first thing I wanted to say about that, that all these unknowns look really, really scary, and they've brought us to where we are today and who we are today. Here's the second thing I want to say. All the beauty and the growth that I have and find in any particular situation or any particular relationship, friendship, loved one, whatever it is, are stored up and live inside me, not just between me and that person or me and that experience. Same with you. All the beauty and growth that you have found in anything that you value and love, a relationship, an experience, a job, a place, a you know, organ, whatever, school, community, 
all the things that you have found in those particular places live inside of you. Not just between you and that thing. They live inside of you also. What I'm not saying is that you don't need other people. What I'm not saying is that you don't need communities, that you don't need jobs, that you don't need homes, you don't need whatever. What I am saying is that these things live inside of us, not just between us. When we lose, we hold on to these things. And I think it's because we think when we lose the thing that brought that value, that manifested that value, that we think we are going to also lose that value. So here's my question. What if all the energy that we typically spend engineering things or engineering outcomes or clinging to outcomes, whatever that looks like, holding on, what if we spent all that energy instead on manifesting our values ourselves? Is it a lot easier for other people to manifest our values? Probably. It's a lot less work for us. It's a lot less risk for us if we can sort of find what we value in other people who are already manifesting those values and sort of cling to those people, it's kind of easier, right? It's like natural and simple and all those things. It doesn't really require much sweat and blood and tears, but that's part of growing up and maturing and developing is easy isn't always better. And easy is good for a time, for the first half of life, but then it's time to cross over and it's time to move into simple and difficult, maybe. At least part of the time. Not everything has to be that way, but a lot of things that are important are. I, uh, last weekend in yoga school, we were talking about, (laughs) some of us were feeling intimidated by the speed at which we are having to teach yoga to our classmates and sort of mess up and see our own mistakes and how difficult that is. It's really hard to see your own mistakes. It's really hard to feel like you're failing at something or making mistakes or not doing something as well as you would like. And, um, my teacher, Jake is his name. My teacher quoted, um, a college professor of his who used to say, fail forward. So it's like you make, I've heard this said, you know, differently by saying you make the road by walking. You don't wait until there's a smooth road. That's one way to do it, but that's kind of for that first half of life, right? It's this easier, this easier path, but the real goodness, the real maturity, the real growth, the real development happens when we have to make the path ourselves or not in an individualistic sense, just more taking risks and doing the hard work that it takes to manifest our own values. So fail forward. Is it scary? 100%. Well, maybe not. No, probably 100%. For me, it it is scary. I got to be honest with you. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of doing this. At the same time, 
thinking about this and realize having this realization that I actually have the strength, the stamina and the ability and the passion to manifest my own values and that life is constantly inviting me into that. It's kind of exciting. It kind of like gets a little buzzy in my heart when I think about it. I get like jazzed for lack of a better term. I get excited about it because I know that it's worked in the past. All the good stuff, the best stuff of my life came from a lot of risk, a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of failure. What the world calls failure. I'm making quotes here. Fail. I don't actually. It's kind of like not, it's kind of this paradox, right? It's like not really failing. You just feel like you are. So here's my invitation to you this week. And I'm going to say three things and I'm going to repeat them. But if you want to get a pen and pencil, a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper or your journal or something like that and write these down, this is something you might want to think about. Also, feel free to use the rewind feature. But I will read them twice, okay? So here are the three things that I'm inviting you to think about, consider. Number one, what is something or someone in your life that may be saying, don't hold on to me? Number two, what values of yours does this person or experience manifest? What is it that draws you to this thing? Sidebar, you don't have to write this part down if you don't, if you're writing. Um, I'm just like assuming you're writing. I don't know why. You don't have to be writing this down. Um, Here's another sidebar to consider is possibly is something um, actually not serving you any longer. That's a whole other different invitation. But like this question of what values of yours does this person or experience manifest? Maybe it doesn't. And maybe there's an unhealthy attachment. Um, Maybe it's sort of this like addiction to something that no longer serves you. So consider that in this as well. Um, That's a whole other invitation. And then finally, number three, how might you yourself more actively and intentionally live out your values, manifesting them yourself in the space that's created by the absence of this person or place or experience or something? So how might you yourself actively live these out, these values out, manifesting them yourself, doing the harder work? making the road by walking, failing forward. So here they are. I promise I repeat them. Here they are again. Number one, what is something in your life that might be saying, someone or something in your life that might be saying, don't hold on to me? That's really hard to let go. Number two, what values of yours does this person or experience manifest? Or is this an addiction that's not so healthy? Number three, how might you yourself more actively manifest your own values yourself in the space that has been created by the absence of this person, experience, or place? What waits for you on the other side? I wonder. I am so with you on this journey. Um, 
if you want to email me about something that you might be experiencing that's like this, if you want to talk about your answers to these questions, if you want to me to engage them in a, in a future podcast, perhaps, feel free to email them to me, lifeinthewhirlwind.com slash podcast is where you can find this podcast or you can email them to me. Sorry, that was for the comment section. Um, or that's a public thing. Um, or you can email them to me at life in the whirlwind at gmail.com. All one word, all lowercase, not that that matters. My blessing this week is from an ancient, ancient poet named Rumi. He's a classic. This poem is called With Passion. It's very, very short. With passion, pray. With passion, work. With passion, make love. With passion, eat and drink and dance and play. Why look like a dead fish in this ocean of God? Thanks for showing up. As always, you are a brave soul. You're a courageous person. Thanks for coming back to the table. And I hope you keep coming back because this is good stuff for us to connect. Please email me. Send me your comments. Send me your suggestions, thoughts, musings, whatever. And I cherish our time together. Thanks so much for coming. See you next week. <laughs>